Good evening, pop pickers. Uh, this is uh, Dwayne coming at you with a very ghostly white face because I've got a light shining on me. I am your raving reporter from the wilds of Tasmania and uh, a big thank you to Tom and Svine from the Great Divide podcast uh, and uh, also uh, sponsors of WKW, Tom. Um, this is Beautiful People, the uh, vidcast about big country fans for big country fans and um, you're not going to believe this, folks. You are not going to believe this. We have our first female guest. Now, I'm not going to pronounce your name because you're going to pronounce it correctly for everybody uh, to get this right because everyone seems to ask you that, don't they? That's right. That's right. So for the first time on the internet, my name is Ayelet pronounced Ayelet. It's a Hebrew name. Sorry, but that's the way it's pronounced. Ayelet Saxton. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have you on, Ayelet. Um, and for those who don't know you, most of us probably know where you are, but tell us a bit about yourself and where you are. Tell us about where you, where you come from. Not many people are, are quite as, um, uh, as big country fans. You're in quite an unusual place, aren't you? Yes, yes. As far as I know, I'm about the only one here. No, there's another one for sure. Well, probably more than one or two, but yeah. I come from Israel. I'm in Israel. I live in a city called Ramat Gan, which is right next to Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv, people should know where that is, more or less. So yeah, it's right in the middle of uh, Israel, very small place. And you've always been there? Yeah, always been here. I was born here. I was born in this very city, not far from here. And I've always lived here, yeah. Okay. Well, of course, we're going to want to know how you became a big country fan, but tell us I'd a bit like about... <laughs> but tell us a bit about um, your musical influences um, growing up. What kind of music were you listening to? Okay, so growing up, um, growing up in Israel of the nineteen seventies, um, like the music in Israel was—I mean, rock music didn't come to Israel till like the mid seventies. So it was just more or less the time when I was growing up when it started happening here, up until then. And while I was growing up, it was still the main influence on the radio. Um, it was mainly kind of songs, sing-along songs, Israeli folk songs, which are, were very influenced by Russian music and uh, French uh, chansons and that type of music. And that's the kind of music that I heard as a child uh, all around me, sing-alongs around the bonfire and stuff like that. Now, at home, uh, I listened to a lot of classical music. My parents uh, used to go to concerts every month, and then they would buy a record, and we'd all listen to it at home. And in fact, I've got a pile of records right here on the desk next to me. So, you know, just a few of my favorites from those times. Uh, and also some uh, American folk songs, American folk and country songs. Uh, that's what we heard at home. Now, two records of which I really must show you, one you're going to like. One of them, one of them is this, I don't know if you can see, but this is, um, it's music from Clint Eastwood uh, films, which is something that I used to play very often. And this is another oh, one. 
Yes. <laughs> right. I knew yes. you would appreciate it. Yes, I love the shadows. <laughs> right, right. So these are the does that have my favorite shadow song on it? It's called Atlantis. Atlantis, hold on. No, no, it doesn't. Not there. No, it doesn't. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So these were two of like my favorite as like an eight-year-old. This is what I like. I love to listen to most. Now there, there was some Israeli music as well. And actually, um uh, Svein once wrote uh, a write-up about, you know, he's got this um his page called um, uh, Rocking in the Northlands. Are you familiar with that? Yes, yes I am. Right. So at some point I made him aware of an Israeli group that was a major, major hit in Israel and a great favorite of mine in the early 1970s called Kaveret in Hebrew and uh, the, the English name was Pugi. And uh, he wrote something about them. So I'm here to show the records. This is the original 1973, I think, or 74 uh, record from Kaveret. And they played a kind of, I don't know, some some sort of progressive rock, but and, and some sort of, I don't know, all kinds of mixtures. Uh, at the time, I wasn't aware that it was uh, influenced by progressive music. I didn't even know the term. That only came later. So that was another favorite of mine. Um, and then later on, about 1977, I was in the summer of 1977, it was, I was 11 plus, I was about 11 then, 11, 12. Uh, and that's when a big change happened in Israel. That's when the first uh, music radio station, music only radio station came on air. So um, started tuning in and that's when I started hearing music that was like, you know, I could choose from and I could, they could really speak to me. And I think um, at the time, the first kind of uh, things that I liked on it, um, the, the first band that I really remember liking was Dire Straits. And I actually remember the day when I first heard them. I was listening, I was um, helping my grandma clean her bedroom. I really remember this very vividly. I was standing there with a broom and I had the transistor radio on and, and my grandma was in the kitchen and she was saying something to me and suddenly Sultans of Swing came on and I kind of, I, I didn't hear anything else anymore and I sort of like stood to attention with the broom in my, in my hands and, and I was transformed. In that moment I was transformed. I kind of figured out that there was something out there that I had to explore. So that was the first uh, and uh, yeah, so Dire Straits was one of the things that I really liked at the time. Got all my the, the, the records here with me, and the police also at the time. But I think, yeah, the police also got well one, two, right, three, okay, four, right. The next one I didn't like anymore, so I didn't buy that. <laughs> You didn't and, like that uh, one. What? The fifth one. You didn't like yeah. the last police album. Mm, no. And um, but then the, the the one band that really spoke to me at the time, the one that I really, really liked was the jam. That was the one that was my band at the time. I, I started discovering punk rock 
And at the same time, also progressive rock, which is a, a kind of a funny kind of combination. But for me, they came at the same time because I was too young to notice prog when I was, you know, it, it just wasn't around. It wasn't on the radio. There was no radio to to play it, to, to speak of. And uh, I kind of found both at the same time. So on the one hand, I really felt connected to the jam, the kind of things they were singing about, the... the I don't know the um, not so much the politics, but the the kind of anger that they expressed. Are you familiar with the jam? Do you know them at all? Um, I don't know the jam very well, mm -hmm. um, but I do know lots of um, big country fans talk about them a lot. Yeah, right, right. So yeah, so that was my my band at the time. They really you know helped me through a lot. And uh, got three records to show all my cons. Setting suns, sound effects. So they were my um, favorites at the time. But at the same time, I also started noticing the progressive rock and, and kind of classic rock. And they were the, the, that kind of music was on the radio on kind of off hours after 10 p.m. and things like that. And it was, it took an effort to, to actually listen to it. And for me, it was, it was a sort of quest because there was no, I mean, for, for people who, who live, who were brought up, who grew up in English speaking countries, everything was very readily available, I suppose, I presume, I mean, I know it was. For me, it was a, a journey, it was a quest. Every time I wanted to find out something, I had to find um, where to, you know, places. There was no internet, right? So there were music magazines, but the English music magazines were not available because, first of all, they were extremely expensive. And you could only get them in a couple of shops somewhere in Tel Aviv. We had to... Uh, and, and it was terribly expensive, but I couldn't read them. I didn't know enough English yet by then, at that time, right? And so I started learning, and I started learning English for that purpose. I mean, we did have English lessons at school, of course, but, you know, I started kind of reading more and, and trying to understand more, and I would pore over the lyric sheets and then take dictionaries and whatever and try and figure out what it was all about. And... And this is basically the way I learned English, really, from, from records and from songs and from listening to the BBC World Service and <laughs> just trying to find out what was going on. Because especially as I was listening to music such as the jams, which is very political, I needed to understand what they were talking about. Because it's not straightforward. If you don't live in England and you don't know what's going on, you just don't know. So I had to read about it. I had to try and find out what they were on about. So this is how it all kind of started happening. <laughs> And then I'll just, I'll just jump in there if I could. Yeah. Um, we've got we've got heaps and heaps of comments here. Ooh. People watching from all over the place. Spine is on. William Cousins is on. Kenny Henderson's watching. Pete K. Alan from Texas is watching. Hello. We've got Dan, Dan from Wales. Linda's watching from London. Oh, hang on. What have I done here? Ooh. I've lost my. Hang on, I've got to get back. That's okay. not right. Got a whole heap of comments here that uh, were flooding through. 
Ooh, you've wow. generated a heap of um, a heap of comments here. Where are we? Let's get back into here. All you have to do <clears throat> with a tablet is hit one little button and it stuffs everything up. Oh, yeah. Right. That's right. So just I've missed so many comments, but um, there's I think um, Jenny, Jennifer Swine's wife. Right. And I'm too scared to say the surname. I'm still too scared to say it's <laughs> Yeah, I think that's real different now. Police as well. Um, what is it? St. Patrick's Day? Oh, yeah, it is St. Patrick's yeah, Day. It too. is. It is. Um, so Niall's over there in Dublin. Hi, Stuart, hi. Gerard O'Connor. Um, <laughs> Alan, Alan Ambari says, Ayelet is the most organized guest so far in this series. She's loving, he's, he's loving all the albums as examples of, uh, of your listening pace. So he says, good on you. And I'm very impressed with the, with the show and tell of the vinyl as well. So that's, that's awesome. So actually, yeah. Okay. <laughs> actually, no, all these albums, because actually I wasn't sure I'd be able to speak to you tonight because my voice, if you notice, is kind of hoarse and it was almost gone by yesterday. And I spent the whole day gurgling salt water and, and knocking back vile concoctions of um, onion and garlic and honey. And I'm glad that you can't smell what it's like in here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Trust me, I know that I'm glad you can't smell what it's like here too. Um, <laughs> all right. So you're, you're um, into the jam. You're learning to to read English so you can find out about all these bands. Yeah. Where where are you at in your in your story now? Let me let me get you back to your story. Right. So this is more or less around 1982 I think by now. And I'm starting to discover uh, bands like Rush became huge favorites of mine and actually they came out with the uh, with Signals in 1982 which is still my favorite album even though by now I've heard a lot of other stuff by them. Uh, still got signals, but uh, it's not right here on my table. And uh, Jethro Tull as well, which has also become another huge favorite. And ever since then, I, I keep buying and I keep buying more and more of their stuff until until this day. So these became uh, very big favorites. And I and I was trying to you know to kind of stand out feelers. I was I'm I'm the um, firstborn, so I didn't have any older brothers or sisters who could introduce me to stuff. So I had to rely on other people's um, older brothers and sisters. So they became a resource for me for kinds of uh, things gone by that I'd missed. And, and this was me making my way, way through the music world, basically, and kind of alone because no one around me really cared for that sort of stuff. You see, I come from a religious background. I uh, still am religious, but I come from a religious family, grew up in uh, religious education, and, and, um, and it was wasn't looked uh, i mean it was wasn't considered right and proper to listen to rock music or even to listen to anything which wasn't in hebrew actually it was all kind of you know sex and drugs and violence and whatever and it was kind of no not done so i was um i don't know i had to do it all by myself and uh yeah and this is um you know, and so this this was 1982, and then 1983, I was already um, finishing high school, 
and the music started changing on the radio it was all it was becoming a lot more you know synthesized and not the kind of stuff that i liked um so i, I started listening less and less i was also busy with my final exams and everything and then one day um i heard something that i liked right I heard something i liked but i didn't know what it was and then uh, a few weeks later my sister came home with the crossing and she put it on the um, uh, record player and I said hey that's that band that I heard and um, yeah like now I can't say I never looked back because I I didn't continue being a fan all these years but it was one record that I played a lot and then uh, actually recorded it <clears throat> onto a cassette and took it with me when I later on went into the army and then university and then actually I missed Steel Town altogether. I don't think it was ever, um, I don't know, I, I wasn't aware of it at the time because again, the music that they played on the radio, I mean, there wasn't any, um, it, it was just a hit parade. There wasn't any uh, singles charts or anything. They didn't sell singles here. So right. what they do on the radio, they would take uh, the, the, the top 40 from the UK or the US and they played as candidates for the hit parade and you would send in uh, cards and um, whatever came out that's what they would play so there were many many songs that we missed here because it just never went into the local chart even though they charted uh, high somewhere in, in other places so that's why i you know missed it altogether <laughs> okay so you had the crossing that mm -hmm. you took with you. Um, yeah. What what happened after that? How how did you get into Big Country's other stuff? How long did it take you? Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I'm a story. I I did, wasn't aware of. Well, I was aware of um, in a big country, but not so much aware mm -hmm. of the crossing uh, because the Seer was my first album. So. Um, yeah, you're younger than me. Yeah, just just yeah. a touch, not much. <laughs> doesn't look like it that's for sure um so so tell us a bit more of um how you right. became a bit more of a hardcore fan okay okay so so basically became more well just just got to show you the seer sorry this is my copy of the seer check it out <laughs> yeah this is my copy of the seer with the, my corrections here <laughs> of the order, you know, it all, it all came in the wrong order, so it's my corrections here. And um, yeah, and, and these were the two cassettes that I carried around with me back then everywhere. So I was very well familiar with them. And then I sort of lost touch, right? Now, I only came back about five or six years ago was when I started uh, listening to music again, really, because after like 86 or so, I was First, I was too busy and also the music on the radio, as I said, I didn't like it. So I sort of, I kind of quit music for about 20 years in which I, you know, got married, brought up children and stuff. And then I started coming back and I started uh, looking for the bands that I used to like. And one of them was Big Country, obviously. And I uh, looked, I uh, started looking on YouTube. And that's when I actually first find, found out about Stuart. Now, it was a very odd moment because 
I the first video that I hit, I was looking for Fields of Fire or whatever. And the first one that I hit on was the Fields of Fire from the um, 1995 show in Germany. You know, the long haired blue shirt, right? Yep. Yep. And it's such a great gig. It's just amazing. So my first reaction was, wait a minute. I never knew that they were such a great live band. And 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 I wonder what they're doing yet now, you know, and maybe I can catch up with them because I started catching up with, with various other bands and I started reading down the comments and then uh, very soon I realized what had happened and I was in, in such a state of confusion. Um, and I, on one hand, I was elated because I, I sort of managed to connect back with them. And on the other hand, I was devastated because it was like, I know, the minute you find it, you lose it sort of thing. So um, anyway, and that, that kind of gave me the, the, the push, the momentum to really start digging and to try and catch up on everything that I had missed. Not just in, in terms of big country, but it kind of, um, it tied in with everything that I had missed over those 20 years when I was kind of in um, exile, you can call it that, self-imposed exile in a way. And uh, yeah, and that's how I became a, a, hard, a hardcore fan because I started catching up on everything and just had to have everything and had to learn everything. And I spent about two years just doing nothing else, basically. And then and that's this how is, I'm... This is in the last five years, you say? Yeah, more or less, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your exile is more like 30 years than 20 years? Uh. Yeah, 30 years out of big country, uh, 25 years out of music altogether, I would say, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So tell us about what what was it like listening to those classic albums for the first time? Um, like the ones uh, after the crossing this year? Yeah. Oh, so you were to Steel Town in the last five years, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was amazing because, again, it was so confusing for me because on the one hand, it was just amazing. I mean, one song after the next, one, I said, wow, this is great. This is fantastic. And I'm so glad that I found so much great music that I, I, I well, you know, I missed for so long. And and this is just superb. And I, I was just it, it was like a roller coaster because at the same time, I remember that it was no more in a way and I was constantly torn between these two feeling ecstatic on the one hand and, and devastated on the other hand and in a state of mourning over everything and trying to put things together for myself but the music is, itself was just amazing and I had to you know I really felt that I had to dive really deeply into it so I started listening to the podcasts <laughs> That is certainly one way, and I just have to tell you that the Godfather himself has just jumped on, and uh, he's jumped on live. You're the very first one that mm -hmm. Tom Cajal has jumped on live to. He wow. likes, he must like the ladies. That's all I can say. <laughs> okay. um, all right. There's a few comments here. Um, mm -hmm. Sort of. That's a, that's an amazing story. I had no idea. Um, I had no idea there were. And I guess there are plenty of fans that are still coming in and, and rediscovering big, big country that way. Yeah, I'm but, sure there are. 
yeah, to come in com like completely sort of uh, fresh to the music. But I am he hearing what you're saying, though. It would have been bittersweet. Um, yeah. As it, Matt's watching too, I, can I just, I'm going to ask you to nominate a few people to come on to Beautiful People. And I want you to nominate Maz. That's, <laughs> I want you to do that. Um, yeah, okay. I'll do that. I'll nominate Maz. It's not so scary, Maz. Um, so, um, Stuart, Stuart, who was on, was he on last time? I think he yeah. was on last, Stuart, up in Dunfermline. He, he's, he's wanting to get some of your thoughts because you went to visit Dunfermline, was it last year? Last year, that's right. Um, he wants to get some of your thoughts on visiting. Obviously, you would have went to Tapituris like me. I'm sure you would have. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But give us some, some of your thoughts on, on that lovely little town. Well, first of all, it is beautiful. Actually, that was my second time in Dunfermline because I've been before uh, on a when, when we went to Scotland. And um, so I visited several uh, places which uh, wouldn't last year. It's a beautiful place, just so beautiful. And I loved how it's so quiet also. And um, it was obviously very emotional for me to be there and, you know, to, to walk around those places and also um, explained a lot to me. You know, it kind of fits in with the music and with the content and the lyrics and and everything. It was a wonderful experience. I mean, just not just Dunfermline, visiting Scotland in, in general um, and, and, you know, being seeing the scenery and uh, visiting museums, which also explained quite a lot about the historical and social background, um, was, uh, yeah, a very, very uh, uh, instructive experience, I would say, and also very emotional. Yeah. Excellent. Um, just one thing that I want to sort of go back on and interesting that you like Rush. There are quite a few big country fans who also like Rush and the, yeah. the proggy side of things. Mm -hmm. An interesting prog connection that um, that I have with Israel. Well, um, some people may know what a big fan of, um, of a more recent prog band called Porcupine Tree that I am. Um, the front man for that band, Stephen Wilson. Um, I don't think he does it anymore, but well, he's still got he's still got a um, Israeli singer that tours around with him. I'm not sure whether she's his partner or now, but or what now? But um, yeah, he he spent six months of the year in Israel and yeah. teamed up with a guy called um, Aviv Geffen. Aviv Geffen, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, he is huge in Israel. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, as a singer, he was. Right now, I think he's more into production. I don't think he sings that much anymore. But he used to be very big. Yeah. Okay. And mm -hmm. interesting thing is, I got to meet Aviv uh, backstage, and I've I've interviewed quite a few um, musicians over the years, and Aviv is the scariest musician that I have ever interviewed. I was so nervous because he projected this image of total pop star. Mm. And like a lot of prog musicians, they're very down to earth. They're very humble. Um, not that not that Aviv wasn't humble, but he just projected this sort of persona that absolutely scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so yeah, I was, he is I, I, don't, I don't like him very much, I must say. 
Oh, really? I much. Yeah, I don't like him very much. <clears throat> uh, yeah, he is scary. Um, he comes from quite a dynasty, actually. He's got uh, his father is um, uh, a very well-known um, columnist, and uh, also wrote quite uh, a lot of lyrics to very popular uh, Israeli music. Some some very good, actually, yeah, music came out of his lyrics. So yeah. Okay. And he's also well, related to all kinds of politicians. Yeah. <laughs> Tom's got a question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, heard recently that Steve Lillywhite was going to produce uh, some Rush in the late 80s, but he backed out. What would you have thought of Steve Lillywhite producing Rush? Oh, wow. I don't think I'm qualified to answer that. I mean, you know, probably would have been awesome. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. I'm still catching up on Rush, actually. They've got, what, 19 uh, studio albums and I don't know how many live albums and all that, so I'm still catching up on, on Rush. Actually, I started catching up. What I, You know, you usually ask people what they listen to, the, to, to right now, okay? So what I listen to right now is basically catching up on the back catalogue of all those bands that I've missed. This is what I'm doing now, you know, doing through Spotify and others, other things, and I buy stuff. Uh, and I very rarely listen to anything... Uh, new these days but but actually there was one thing i did want to mention because one band that i did discover um just about six or seven years ago and it's a band that i really like and i think i was actually looking for a proper an appropriate time to to plug them to the um big country fans because i think some big country fans might like them is a band called firewater which is uh, originally an American band, uh, but they actually come from all over the place, and their main man is now in, in Turkey. And they kind of do a mixture of um, world music with punk rock, which is a very odd combination. And I think it sounds great. It sounds fantastic because it's got the, the very energetic uh, um, tone, but also kind of folky atmosphere. And I really love them. They're called Firewater. And I can show you two of the two, the two latest albums. Notice that I I chose the ones that I have signed. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a band that I've been listening to listening to a lot recently. Uh, so where were we on Rush? Okay, so yeah, so catching up on the back the back catalogue of many bands. That's what I'm doing now. Okay, so yeah, Terry Brown, Terry Brown before. At the same time that he was producing the first Rush albums, he was also producing a band that uh, that I was a big fan of too, called um, Klaatu. Have you ever heard of them? No. Klaatu no. was famous from 1976. They released an album. I wish I was prepared because I'd be able to show you the album. It's one of my favourite album covers. Okay. Uh, in Canada, it was called um, 347 EST because in the movie the day the earth stood still where they got the name Klaatu from is that's the time that the alien lands on earth 347 but everywhere else in the world where it was released including australia it was just called Klaatu. um and in fact i heard you mention it before i know i remember now yeah yeah that, that yeah. album was a was a fantastic album because they were they were mistaken for the Beatles. Some American DJ said this is this could be the Beatles reformed, and it took off, and they sold millions of copies. It was about to get deleted, it go into the delete bin, and um, someone said this could be the Beatles 
but they had no names, no producers' names, no nothing on, no credits of any kind on the cover. So they thought it was a secret Beatles release, and it uh, sold them a lot of the album. But it came back to bite them when it was finally revealed that they weren't the Beatles because they thought it was a publicity stunt. Um, so, yeah, so there's there's a connection with with Rush, and I was into that band a long time before I got into Rush. And um, I've got to say that out of all the Rush albums, um, I always, I don't know, I, I, tend to, I tend to go steer back to, always go back to 2112 is my, that's my go-to Rush album, that one. I love that one. I know, I know many people like it uh, a lot. Yeah, I know. Actually, it's not my favourite one. I, I do like it, but it's not one, one of my top three, let's say. <laughs> Is that right? Give me your top yeah. three rock albums. Uh, well, there's, um, I don't know which order exactly, but there's uh, Moving Pictures, there's uh, Signals, and um, what's it called? No, the one with um, oh, Grace Under Pressure. So apparently that was, according to Svine's encyclopedic knowledge of uh, rock music, Grace mm -hmm. Under Pressure was the album that Steve Lillywhite had agreed to produce, but then, mm. um, then he then he got Simple Minds offer. Okay. <laughs> Which album was that? Simple Minds one was that uh, Sparkles in the Rain? Was that 1984? Is that what that album was called? I can't remember. You I'm, see, I'm all this encyclopedic knowledge is something that I have to work very hard to catch up on because there was no way for me to be aware of any of it. You know, I mean, it was all just hanging in the air. One album here, one album there, no connection, no nothing. It's just so hard, such hard work. Um, don't, don't worry. Don't worry too much. There's only one encyclopedic brain on this planet for so much rock music, and that is our Viking friend, Svein. We yeah, will no, never, no. ever be able to match his encyclopedic knowledge. Tom is asking, Tom is asking, I love this engagement from The Godfather, just want to throw in WKW, go and get yourself a copy. Um, it's still available. <laughs> um, and Tom, I want to know when this uh, when this album's coming out, mate. Um, Tom is asking whether your husband can play a violin solo for us. Oh, wow. Wow. You don't know what you're asking for. But oh, you're going to get him to do it? Awesome. Hold on just a second. Hey, this is cool. This is a, this is a beautiful people first. I'll leave you uh, staring at my um, my big country collection. <laughs> that, that was my Stan Laurel impersonation. There you go. Is that Laurel or is that? Yes, yeah. Laurel. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I got past it. Past his bedtime. Is it past his bedtime? Are you serious? Yeah. Come on. Oops. No. Come on. No, he doesn't want to. I don't know. Look at your tongue, Tom. You've you've wrecked Ayelet's um, <laughs> camera. There you go. I'm fine. Yeah. No, he's too shy. And what Tom refer what he's referring to is my uh, husband. Spine wants a big country line uh, on the violin. What does he want? Spine wants a 
hello, there's something's going on with the video. Spine wants a big country line played on the violin. Yeah, I know, I know that what they're referring to is my husband's uh, unforgettable rendition of the uh, Buffalo Skinner's uh, solo part that he once ah. recorded, I once recorded him do it. But um, no, he's in that position to do it right now. <laughs> He'll have to rehearse it, he's saying, he can't just, he's a professional player, he doesn't just sort of jump up and play without rehearsing first. He's got a reputation oh, to come keep. on. <laughs> you can do it, you can do it. Everybody's very right. disappointed. <laughs> Tom appreciates that you tried at the very least. All right, so I'm just waiting to see if there's any more questions for you uh, popping up. Just give me a second. Right. <laughs> Spine says he's sure that uh, he can channel his inner Johnny Valentino. <laughs> Yeah, maybe another time. No, he's just uh, back from, like, he's just, just coming down from a concert last night. So, you know, he's got, you've got to give him a break. Sammy just jumped on. How are you, Sammy? Good to see Hello. you, buddy. <laughs> okay. All right. It was been really nice talking to you. You're a good talker. We'll have to have you on again. Would you be up for coming on to a fans round table? Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. I wanted. Yeah, because I'm trying to get some fans together, at, at least three fans to do a roundtable on something. Okay. We'll, um, we can do a deep dive on something and show Tom and Svine how to really do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would no, be nice. Because I've got no one else to talk to about Big Country. I mean, I tried. I, I made two evenings about Big Country here in Israel. One of them was... Uh, uh, a sort of a, a summary of Stuart's career, which I did for the fifteenth um, uh, anniversary of his passing, and uh, the other one was a presentation of the crossing at a uh, sort of forum called the Record Club, and both um, generated a very uh, small audience, I'm afraid, but it was great to do just the same. Uh, so yeah, always glad to talk about the country. Okay. Tom say, oh, Tom's very engaged today. He's um, he's saying, is it weird for everyone that I'm watching this from the bathtub? <laughs> no, Tom, it's not weird. I love it. Um, <laughs> all right. Do you have a favourite Big Country album? Asks, um, asks Den from Wales. I do, but only because uh, of nostalgic reasons. I mean, the series is my favourite album, not because I think it's the best one, but because it's the one that I actually, the only one that I bought at the time when it was released, as I just showed you, that little cassette was something that I just grabbed on my way in some central bus station. And uh, it stayed in my bag since then for like two, two years. So this is why. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm, I've got a very close connection with this year too. But uh, can't go past Steeltown for the, for the production. Even though the band hates it. Um, now, I need to ask you, I need to get your three uh, nominees for guest spots on Beautiful People. So far away. Who do you want to hear from? Well, I'd love to hear from uh, Oliver Hunter. Yeah. And um, I'd also love to hear from um, uh, Alan Smith. Yeah. And... Uh, Andy Pledger. 
whom I had the pleasure to meet last year in Dunfermline, but I'd love to have her on the show. Awesome. I'll have to try and track these guys down. And of course, you wanted to nominate Maz. So, um, yeah, naturally, you get four, four nominations. But yeah, definitely, we didn't get to, to talk at all. So, I'd love to have him on the show. <laughs> Very good. All right. It's getting past your bedtime there, isn't it? Getting towards yeah. 11 o'clock there, mm-hmm. where you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. And, Thank you uh, for me. Yeah, I'm really grateful that uh If you lost and die enough civilization, that's enough.